Welcome to episode 178 of Explode Your Expert Business Show, brought to you by gtex.org.uk. I'm your host, Simone Vincenzi, the expert strategist, and this is the podcast for experts who want to become the ultimate authority in their niche while making an impact in the world. And today I have the pleasure to interview the one and only, the awesome Kristen O'Connell. Now, the topic of the day is how to start and grow your business with minimal financial investment. And Kristen has been self-employed for the past 15 years, and she worked in sales before starting her own recruitment advertising company from scratch. And in the past year, she increased sales by 60% to achieve the million-dollar mark in revenue. And she did it in the smartest possible way, allowing for maximum profits. Also, she won the award of... uh, uh, the micro business of the year from the Federation of Small Businesses in 2018, which is one of the most prestigious business award that you can win here in the UK. Now, in this uh, episode is very particular because uh, is the recording of a webinar that we did uh, um, yesterday night, well, recently, with uh, Kristen, and uh, the episode in this. Uh, training, we talked about how to build a $1 million relationships. (laughs) You will love that. How to grow your team and hire the right people from the very start. And also how to set business and personal goals that you are actually going to achieve. I consider this more of a masterclass rather than an episode. In fact, it's way longer than the average show that we do. This one is about an hour and a half. But man, it's good. (laughs) So what you will learn today can transform your business forever. We've been working with Kristen for a while. We are launching her seminars and their webinars. So this is a way for you also to get in touch with her, getting to know her. And uh, I have to say, she's uh, she's incredible. Getting to know her personally, I can see how driven she is and uh, how much she cares about everyone she works with. And uh, you will see that care from the content that you will uh, you will listen to, and you will uh, or you will watch if you are watching on our website. Then in in few minutes, uh, the link is if you want to watch the episode and uh, the full training with the slides, then is on our website www.gtex.org.uk forward slash 178 and then you can connect with Kristen O'Connell here on the show notes and uh, check on her social media profile and you can you can connect with her there is also a link to fill up a survey uh, because uh, we are interested in what kind of things you would like to know more about their topics so there is a, a, click the the link in the show notes and uh, you can fill up the survey after you listen to the episode and now remember that if you want to have incredible results from your seminars, from your webinars, creating highly webinars and seminars that convert, then you can apply to become a GTEx member here in the show notes. There is a link. By clicking on the link, uh, you can apply to be considered to become part of our community like Kristen and many, many, many hundreds of speakers and trainers and uh, business owners like, like Kristen and many more. Also, if you want to make six-figure presentation from sale, from selling from the stage or from webinars, then uh, download our Selling from the Stage Ultimate Checklist, which is the most comprehensive checklist to create a pitch that sells without selling like a sleazy, manipulative, yeah, all this kind of stuff. We don't like it. 
And as well, you know the importance of having a great community around you. So join our Facebook group, Explode Your Expert Biz. You can find it on Facebook as Explode Your Expert Biz Community. And you will be able also to connect with Kristen, our other members, and thousands of other experts like yourself. That we all want to make an impact in the world. We all want to collaborate and also get access to exclusive training, like the one I did on how to get featured on Forbes or... What we are going to do soon is how to tap into the corporate market, uh, which I'm sure you're interested in. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe straight away, right now. <laughs> and uh, without further ado, let's start the music. Let's listen to this incredible masterclass from Kristen O'Connell. So tonight is going to be an incredible night uh, because uh, I've seen uh, Kristen. I've met Kristen for now, I think about a couple of months. And uh, when she said for the first time, like, I've been building a million dollar business uh, without paying any salary, without paying any advertisement and without any office space. I was like, really? (laughs) That's a bit insane. That's a bit crazy. And uh, the more I started, I got to know her the more I realized actually how uh, important uh, in particular in, in, in the evolution of business nowadays is uh, to start thinking about business in the way she has set up her own. And that's why we wanted to do this training so then uh, you can learn. And literally starting from scratch, uh, uh, Kristen was able to then win the award as um, uh, best small business of the year from the Federation of Small Businesses, which is one of the most prestigious award that you can get right here in the UK. So w- without further ado, let's just wave in the air for Kristen. Uh, we can give her a round of applause. We can give some wave. <laughs> Kristen is all yours. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. I'm unmuted. Yeah, you guys can hear me? Absolutely. All right, perfect. So... Firstly, thank you guys for joining us digitally. Um, You know, like the email and the text said, there were some personal circumstances that led to us being here. Uh, Linda, they have to do with children. So one of my team members had a baby that was actually born just this morning. And I also am co-parenting two children with my ex-husband. And as plans sometimes turn out, I've got the children. They are occupied at the moment, but there is no guarantee that they won't burst through the door at some point, much like the BBC reporter who, you know, (laughs) the the woman had to drag the the children out of the way. So, um, but in in talking with Simone about, okay, what do we do? We were going to do this event. Here are the circumstances. We both have a very similar mindset and it wasn't meant to be one of tonight's lessons, but I think it's important to talk about the fact that life interrupts business all the time. And a phrase that people talk about a lot is to expect the unexpected. And I don't really buy into that phrase at all because to me, it's just, it doesn't make sense. It's a contradictory of terms. You can't expect something that is unexpected. However, what I like to look at it as is to accept the unexpected. 
So we can't control our circumstances. We can't anticipate things that happen out of the blue that we have no control over, but we can accept what's happened and make the best of the circumstances. And I think that's a very valuable lesson for everybody here, you know, especially those just starting out is things aren't going to always go according to plan. And there are going to be times where we're faced with the easy choice versus the right choice. So the easy thing to do tonight would have been to reschedule the event or cancel it. You know, it's a free event. Nobody would have needed a refund or anything. We could have just called it off. That would have been the easy thing to do. But the right thing to do is to come through for those of you that expressed interest in learning my operating system. So thank, thank, you know, thank heavens for the technology that we have that we're able to do this in a remote fashion. So I really appreciate you guys for logging in and joining us tonight, uh, despite the last minute change of plans. And like Simone said uh, earlier, and like we discussed in the emails, the goal at the end of tonight's webinar is not to sell you guys a product or a service. Uh, after we won the award from the Federation of Small Businesses, this only took place in May of this year. And following that award win, naturally a lot of um, startup entrepreneurs, uh, existing entrepreneurs, and um, people that want to be entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, have come to me and they've asked me, you know, how did you grow your business? How did you do it? What were your challenges? And there's a lot of power in being able to learn from what somebody else did right and also learn from somebody else's mistakes so that we don't make the same ones. So with all the people that have been asking uh, myself and my team for advice, we're not in a position to be able to do any one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I would like to be able to do some group workshops at the start of 2019 and even create online training modules. So much like the way universities have, you know, gone from running just classroom style trainings to doing online modules, we'd like to create some of those as well to help entrepreneurs across the globe grow their businesses, you know, faster and more effectively. So the only thing we're really looking for from the participants is some feedback at the end of the night. I, you know, you all signed up to learn how I grew from one freelance client to a million dollars in business. And it didn't happen overnight. You know, it was a 10 year path for me to go from client number one to a million dollars in sales. The nice thing was I did go from one client to 10 clients within 48 hours, but then there was a lot more in place in growing to a million. So like I said, learn from some of my mistakes, but also to take a 10 year career and cram it into, you know, a one hour webinar. I could talk for days about all the lessons I've learned and the things that I've you know, done and what worked and what didn't work. But the goal is to condense that training into what's relevant to you guys, what's relevant to those of you that are starting out today. So at the end, we're just going to have a link that pops up and we'd like you to, to click on it, take a quick three minute survey about the presentation, tell us what you liked, what you have questions about, what you'd like to hear more of. And for those of you that do participate in the survey, we'll have a special little treat for you as well. So shall we get started? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to also say that uh, I will send. I'll put the link of the survey in the comments uh, at the end of of the of the presentation. So check the comment box that you can use also to ask the questions that you have for Kristen alongside. Um, I guess we can uh, we can crack on. I'm I'm really excited. Cool. Okay, great. So. The superlative operating system, the business I built is called superlative recruitment. So we've designed this presentation as a superlative operating system. And what you've all signed up to learn is exactly what it says here, how we went from one client paying us 50 pounds a week to over a million dollars in sales revenue last year. And the way it worked was, I had a client that came to me and was asking me for a lot of advertising advice. I recognized a need to be able to solve his problems. So his problem was he was writing online job adverts and they weren't attracting the right people. I had experience writing online adverts that were attracting the right people. So out of frustration, he asked me to write all his content for him. I said yes, and my freelance business was born. Now, a major separator between what I was in that situation and a lot of the freelancers that I've spoken to over the last few years is the ability to recognize scalability. So I went home that evening and I could have done, you know, a little celebration dance. Hooray, I have a client. I can begin my freelance career. And I could have celebrated that one client. But instead of going home and just focusing on the one client, I went home and I thought, okay, if he's interested in this service, who else do I know that's struggling with the same problem? And if this one client is willing to pay me for that service, would the other people that are struggling with the same problem also be willing to pay me for the service? I had nothing to lose and everything to gain. So I went in the, the next morning and I spoke straight to the vice president of a global sales organization. And I explained the idea to him. I said, look, one of your sales managers is willing to pay for this service. I think it would benefit other sales managers as well. It would save them time, it would save them effort, and it would ideally save them money because they'd be able to attract more of the right people faster. So by the end of that day, we had arranged a conference call. We got 10 sales managers on the phone. And in a two-minute pitch, the concept was explained to them. And every single one of those people phoned back and said, yes, they were interested. Now, it didn't happen by luck. It didn't happen by chance. It happened because of one of the three keys that I'm going to talk about tonight, and that was the relationships that I had in place. So before I pitched my idea to these people, I already had an existing network and an existing relationship with them in order to, to, to pitch my service to them. The next big leap we went was from going from a single client to the 10 clients, and then we wanted to grow even bigger, so we needed to go from 10 clients to 100 clients. I couldn't do that by myself. That's when I needed to start building a team. That's when my relationships and my reputation really came in to play as well. And then the next major leap, which we're gonna talk about tonight, was when we went from 100 clients and really grew our business by 
not searching for more clients, but instead looking at our existing clients and recognizing how could we maximize the value that they, we were providing for them. And that's when we diversified our products and also looked at our rates and what we were charging versus the results that, they were, that we were getting. Are you guys with me so far? So it came down to recognizing the scalability, expanding and diversifying. So the three keys to success, whether it was as a startup or as I was scaling and growing my business, came down to the relationships, our reputation, and the results. As far as I'm concerned, this is all that matters. And this is where I focus 90% of my time, even now running a global empire. I focus on the relationships, the reputation, and the results that we're getting. Because without that, I don't have a business. Without that, I don't have the ability to generate new clients without paying for marketing and advertising. I don't have the ability to retain a team without paying a single salary. And I don't have the ability to run a remote business. So if there are three areas to focus on, it's gotta be our, our relationships, our reputation, and our results. And the reason these are so important is because what they all add up to, when you combine your relationships with your reputation and tangible results, you get referrals. And this is where the money is made. I went from one client to 10 clients because I recognized the scalability and then going from 10 to 100 was all through uh, referrals. So one client recommending me to another client. And this is a constant pipeline that we've generated over the last 10 years. So we didn't advertise in the beginning and we've still not to this day advertised for a client because every satisfied client that we have then goes on to recommend us to somebody else and they recommend us to somebody else and they recommend us to somebody else. And it's because we didn't just put focus in the beginning on our relationships, our reputation and our results, but we continued throughout the process to focus on these three key areas. Does that make sense? All right, great. So we're gonna break each one down in a little bit more in depth and you can start to see how it materializes. So starting with our relationships. I like to look at relationships in uh, three main segments. So we've got our clients. Those are the ones that pay us for our services. We've got our staff or our team. Those are the support people that work with us that help to deliver the results. And then we've got our suppliers. So in a uh, a business where you're producing a tangible product, you're going to have suppliers that, you know, supply the materials to create that physical product. In our world, it's a service-based business. And so we, our suppliers are the job boards that carry the ads that attract the, uh, the candidates for our clients. So in maintaining our relationships with our clients, this is the bread and butter of our business. There's a big difference between a customer and a client. 
So a customer is somebody that buys from you in a one-off scenario. You sell them a product, maybe it's an impulse sale, they get excited about it, they buy from you one time, and then the next time they need something, they, they go shopping again and they look for it elsewhere. A client is somebody that orders from you on a regular basis. Now the business model that we've built means that our clients are constantly looking for that source of recruitment. So they're buying from us every week or every month consistently throughout the year. And the only time we've ever lost a client is if they've actually closed down their business. So we take our client relationships so seriously. It costs seven times more to get a new customer than it does to retain an existing customer. So whether you're just starting off, whether you have an existing business, we really want to focus on the relationships that we have with our clients. I used to think that no news was good news. And if my clients weren't calling me with problems, that that meant they didn't exist. And believe me, it was a blissful, peaceful way of running a business. But it was also a dangerous way of running a business because that wasn't the truth in most cases. And it's, I don't know, we've all been in different relationships in our lives, right? And whether it's with a sibling or a partner or somebody we work with, what tends to happen is if you don't bring up the problems when they're little baby problems, then they start to manifest. And over time, a little baby problem starts to grow into a bigger and bigger and bigger problem. And then it explodes. So instead of assuming that when my clients weren't coming to us, that no news was good news, we had to have a very proactive approach with reaching out to our clients and essentially finding ways to solve their problems before they even knew that their problems existed. So again, I could talk for days about some of these topics. We're going to keep it pretty short and simple for tonight, but make sure we're really nurturing our client relationships. If I, can, if, I can, uh, if I can say something, uh, if I can uh, uh, course, jump in, yes. I want to I wanna say hi as well to Crystal that just joined. So thank you for, uh, for joining, Crystal. And uh, also to reiterate the fact that how important it is to retain the clients that you have. Because uh, I think there is a lot of emphasis on the get new clients, get new clients, get new clients, get new clients, get new clients. And a lot of businesses are focusing on getting that new clients and almost forgetting the one that they already have. Mm. Uh, and that destroys their reputation. Uh, so it's almost like uh, w what I felt that you did, that you, you, you played the long game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I see that a lot too with uh, some of the other entrepreneurs that I meet. They just have a revolving door of customers. And you're absolutely right. It does affect their, their reputation within the marketplace. It doesn't make their clients feel very valuable and very worthwhile. So we've got, I mean, we've got clients that we have a client that just yesterday or just Tuesday celebrated their 10 year anniversary here in London. And we've worked with them from the start, you know, so having that, that long game definitely makes a big difference, especially if you're in the situation like I was, you know, I get a lot of um, accolades for running my business the way that I did. But the truth behind the matter was I didn't have money to spend on marketing and advertising. You know? <laughs> I'm, I was a foreigner living in a new country, afraid of being shipped back to the States if I didn't make this work. 
I couldn't go to a bank and get a loan from, uh, you know, the, from HSBC as a foreigner who was still on a temporary visa. You know, these things just, it wouldn't have worked. So sometimes when our back is against the wall, that's when we make the best decisions of our lives because we have no, you know, there's no plan B, there's no exit um, plan. It just has to work. So. Absolutely. So th- thank you. I just wanted to, every, every now and then I'm going to stop in, in particular mm-hmm. if there is something that uh, it, there are major points and uh, make sure you guys take notes as well. Um, I mean, uh, uh, ladies take notes as well. <laughs> the ladies right now. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah, so we'll go into um, the staff and the team a little bit more in depth. I've actually got some, some slides that relate to those as well. Um, but then also when it comes to suppliers, um, so in our case, the suppliers are the job boards. So they're the ones that carry the advertising that we do for our clients. They're the source of the candidates that feed our clients' recruitment pipeline. And in the early days, I tried to maintain relationships with our suppliers by modeling somebody else. And it was a, a guy that is a very different personality to me. He's quite aggressive in his sales training and his sales coaching. And I was going into the job boards trying to act like him and trying to build relationships by being aggressive and really pushing for what we wanted and what we needed. And thankfully, I realized very early on that the only way to build and maintain a relationship with anybody is to be genuine and to be true to yourself and to who you are. So Simone, we were talking about this on the podcast. So maybe some of you are on the webinar because you heard our interview that we did on the podcast, but there is no work, Kristen, and then out of work, Kristen. I, you know, I don't put on a, a front and sometimes I'm one person and then other times I'm another person. You know, what you see is, is what you get. And I do know when to crack down and be a bit more serious and when to talk business. But I also know that I wouldn't still be doing what I'm doing 10 years on if it wasn't fun. You know, if I didn't enjoy working with my clients, if I didn't enjoy working with my team, and I didn't enjoy working and meeting up with my suppliers, I wouldn't still be doing what I do. So building relationships is key. And one of the essentials when it comes to the meetings with our suppliers, we definitely talked about this on the podcast I'm remembering now. We talked about how important it is to manage the expectations. So when I'm going in to meet with one of the job boards, if we're not happy with the results that they've been producing for our clients, then I need to let them know that in advance. I'm not going to go and accept an invitation to go out for a meal with them and then just completely blindside them and surprise them with the fact that we're not happy with the results that we're getting. I need to be upfront with them ASAP that, hey, here's the situation, I'm not happy, but we have a solid relationship and I trust that we're going to be able to fix it and come out on the other side, you know, still as business partners working together. But we don't want to go into situations, I guess with anybody on the list here, with our clients, with our staff, or with our suppliers, and just blindside them. That's never going to get the results that we're after. 
So moving along, sorry, I'm spending quite a lot, of, a lot of time on these early slides, but we've got a lot to cover, so I'll get going. The next thing I wanna talk about is with our staff. So I had the fortune of meeting uh, billionaire female, also mother and 80s rock star child, Randy Zuckerberg. I met her at a coaching event last summer and one thing that she taught the group that really stood out to me was focusing on building a team. And she used the phrase, hire slow, fire fast. And I loved it because I had never really been able to articulate it in so few words before. But when it comes to hiring people, it's really important that we take our time in finding the right person. So it's much better to weed through 100 candidates to find the one that has the right strengths, the right skills, who's responsible and reliable and who gels with your company and gels with your personality rather than playing the quick game and just trying to find somebody to fill the role as soon as possible. Now on the flip side, we do wanna take our time to select the candidate. We wanna go through multiple you know, interview phases or multiple screening processes. But at the same time, if we make a mistake and we find the wrong person for our business, it's so important that we get rid of them quickly. And this is often uncomfortable for a CEO and somebody that's hiring someone. It's really difficult to let people go because we know it doesn't just mean that they're out of a job. We tend to know that, okay, this means that they might not be able to pay their bills and we tend to think a lot deeper into the situation. But instead of being so worried about them, we have to transfer some of that worry to our own businesses. And remember what having the wrong person on the team can do for your relationships, what it can do for your reputation and what it can do for your results. Every single time that I've procrastinated firing somebody, and believe me, I was terrible at it. I would tell the other people on my team that I was gonna let somebody go, and then two weeks later, he'd still be kicking around, and they'd be moaning about him, and I'd say, all right, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. But I just had to get up the courage to actually do it. And the longer it took, the more I'm weighing on my mind, you know, how's he gonna take it? How are they gonna react? But every single time, once I pulled that trigger and once I got rid of them, one of the first thoughts I had was, I wish I'd done it sooner. Because as soon as that toxic person is gone, other people start to rise up, other people start to feel better about themselves, they feel more secure in their work, they feel better about their performance, they feel more respected, more valued. I could go on and on and on. I'm sure you guys get the point. I can see you guys nodding along. We've all known a toxic person in our lives in one shape or form, and the sooner they're gone, the better. So, yes. <laughs> so I know a lot of you guys are just starting off and maybe not too deep into the hiring process, but we want to take our time to find the right people, and we want to get rid of the wrong people as quickly as possible. And having worked in the recruitment industry for 10 years, I would like to add one other point to Randy's phrase, hire slow, fire fast. Um, oh, this is my team here. So this is my team that I hired slow and have maintained. And the one difference between 
my spin on it and what Randy was talking about is that I also focused on hiring smarter. So the way I managed to build a global business, do a million dollars in sales and not pay a single salary is because I hired my entire team on a self-employed basis. So I'm a self-employed business owner and I've got a team of 12 independent contractors that all work for superlative on a self-employed basis. Now, the reason I did this, much like the reason we didn't advertise for clients in the beginning, the main reason why I didn't pay my first person a salary was because I didn't have the money in my bank account in order to pay her a salary unless she was bringing money into the business and also retaining the clients. So when we talk about hiring smarter, I look at the people that I'm bringing into my business and I ask myself, are they a revenue generator or are they a cash vacuum? So a revenue generator is somebody that helps bring more money into the business. They generate revenue. A cash vacuum is the person that will sit around in an office getting paid their hourly rate and not actively contribute to the business. Now, I'm not saying everybody that works for an hourly rate is a cash vacuum. I'm saying they are out there. The people that will turn up five to 10 minutes late every day, the ones that'll take extended breaks, the ones that when the boss isn't looking, they're on Facebook or they're chatting. Usually the toxic people that we should fire, you know, those ones. So when it comes to you know, maybe getting a PA, maybe that would be the first role that some of us would be hiring for, or maybe we need somebody to go out and do sales and bring some more sales into the business. Maybe we do want somebody to do some design work and help us build an online presence. Really focus on hiring these people on a self-employed basis, especially as you're testing the waters with a new person. So if you're not sure if, for years I didn't know if I would need a PA. And so I wasn't about to go out and hire somebody and pay them an annual salary just to realize two weeks in, oh, actually I don't have enough work for a full-time PA, always hiring them on a temporary basis. Now also what this does is it opens us up to a global talent pool instead of restricting ourselves to a local talent pool. If I had a physical office and everybody on my team were employees that came in to the office every day, I would have zero of the people that I have on my team right now still working for me. They live down in Eastbourne, they live up in Newton Acliffe, they live in Kent, they live in Surrey, they live in New York, they live in Florida, you know, they're all over the globe. What they do have is access to a laptop, which help them, helps them do their job. They have access to a phone, they have an internet connection, and they have the right skills. So more important to me than their physical location is the ability to do the job. Also, in order to um, retain my people, we have to make sure that they have a vested interest in growing the company. So it's not just a quick, you know, you generate a sale, you get a commission, great, tomorrow, start over, do it again. We've built long-term profit sharing and making sure that each one of my team members has a vested interest in seeing the company grow. 
so that not only are they looking to generate revenue on a small scale to help themselves maintain you know their pay and their clients but they're also looking at the business as a whole and they're innovating and they're coming up with new ideas as they're talking to the clients and what this has really helped me do is reduce and eliminate my staff turnover so i have had to fire the odd person but they're a contractor so i don't have to go through the whole same legal process of getting rid of that person and also it helps me know who's really interested in helping to grow the company because if they're working with us on a self-employed basis and they're sticking around for nine years then we're definitely doing something right does that concept make sense yeah okay great so i would love it i would love to to to, to jump in on this uh, and uh, also saying hi to emma thank you very much for joining and thank you very much for joining sephora and also gloria thank you very much for sorting out uh, the uh, the the uh, your uh, the audio issues that you had before uh, so there is something, I think this, uh, what she said, what Kristen said is very relevant as well if you're looking for a business partner because uh, the same principle applies. So you might maybe not looking at the moment, uh, if you're very starting phase, looking at the moment to hire, uh, to hire someone or, uh, I mean, uh, I, I would recommend everyone to have a virtual assistant at least or a personal assistant as Kristen suggested because it just keeps you sane. <laughs> <laughs> literally keeps you sane uh, and that's the smartest hire you can make at the beginning but also look at these qualities in terms of a business partner or partnerships in general might not have a business partner but a, but a joint venture as well mm -hmm. because uh, if they are bringing those elements to the business then uh, you know that's going to be the right interaction um, so look at where you are if you are in the scaling process Look at this one in terms of team members. If you are in the starting growth process, see, okay, what kind of partnerships or business partner or joint ventures I can create and use this, like write them down and use this as a checklist so you can see, is this person matching this description? If it's not, run, run fast. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make this point. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, and that's such a great, uh, a great reference as well. Um, it doesn't just apply to the support staff that are working with you, but any sort of business partner. Love it. And one thing really that I've come to realize over the years, whether it's working with my clients, working with you know my team, or working with my suppliers, is a hard lesson for me to learn, but just because someone thinks different than you, differently than you doesn't make them wrong. Now, my mom would love to be on this webinar right now and hear me say this because for most of my childhood and teenage years, I didn't abide by this philosophy and anybody that disagreed with me, at least in my world and in my opinion, you know, they were completely wrong. So, it is important as entrepreneurs and as innovators that we recognize there's actually a whole lot of value in people that think differently than we do. Now, one massive change that helped me grow from, you know, doing half a million pounds in business to over a million dollars was I realized there was a relationship missing. So I had the clients, I had the team, I had the suppliers, but what I didn't have in my life were influencers. 
I was constantly the smartest person in the room. I was the end of the road when it came to decision making. People were coming to me with their challenges. People were coming to me with their problems. And I was putting all that weight on my shoulders and figuring all these things out by myself. Somehow it worked and I managed to, to maintain a business for a good few years, but I got tired of my own excuses. So I used to look at the sales organization that we recruit for, and I used to look at their model with envy. And I would say, well, each sales manager has another more experienced sales manager that they can look up to for advice. And, you know, they've got these regional directors and these vice presidents and woe is me. I've got to make all the decisions and all the choices myself. Well, I actually was very wrong. <laughs> so maybe there's nobody that's walked the exact path that I've walked. And maybe these people that I needed in my life weren't necessarily part of the same industry or part of the same, um, you know, global structure, but they are out there. So I had to seek influencers. I had to seek business owners and people that were more experienced than me. And I found who I refer to as my Rose in shining armor. So I met a coach, her name is Rose. She's a business consultant based out in San Francisco. And we hit it off right away, maybe because we're both Aquarius and we think a, a certain way. Um, but I paid Rose to fly in from San Francisco and spend a full day with me and two of my full-time contractors. And we broke down my business. We broke down how it was functioning and how it could be functioning better. And a few things that we covered that day were the benefits of automation and digitalization. I can barely even say the words, but I used to be a very old school person writing everything down on pen and paper. Ah, I, <laughs> yeah, agreed, yeah. There is value in pen and paper. However, it's not very, um, you know, replaceable. And Rose taught us that if it can be automated and it saves time and it's more efficient, then it should be automated. So we've worked towards automating some of our processes. She also helped me realize when it comes to delegation, there's a second step in that process, which is equally, if not more important, and that's the follow through. So maybe because I'm a big sister, I was really good at delegating stuff to my team. But where I was lacking was in the follow through. So I would delegate something to somebody and then highlight it off my handwritten to-do list because as far as I was concerned, it was done. And that was a, a right assumption probably 50 or 60% of the time. But there were times when something then came up and I said, oh, hang on a second. I thought so-and-so sorted this. And turns out if I had followed up with them, I would have known exactly where we stood. So delegation is only half of that process. We need to make sure that if we're delegating something to somebody that we're following through either at the end of the day or halfway through the project, we're still as the CEO, everything still comes down to us. So it's not enough for me to turn around and say to a client, oh, well, I delegated that to so-and-so. I need to follow through and make sure that it's actually done correctly. 
Another thing Rose had us look at was our sales process and the financial tracking. And we came to realize that the people that were doing sales for the company didn't know that they were doing sales for the company. <laughs> and it's something that we all laugh about now. I know I can, I can see your reaction, Simone. How can a salesperson not know that they're doing sales? Well, because in the advertising world, we looked at this as a monthly credit order. So remember, we have clients, not customers. So they're ordering from us every month, but we weren't incentivizing the people that were actually collecting the credit orders. And we weren't telling them that that helps bring revenue into the company. We were just having them go out to the clients, ask them what they wanted. They weren't consulting. They weren't adding value. They were simply asking a, a client, what do you want to buy this month? And accepting whatever answer came in. Right. So still the, a process that we're working on, but awareness is half the battle. You need to know yeah. where the weaknesses lie in order to fix them. You mentioned you had the clients and not customers. Yes. Uh, what's uh, so before you answer what's the difference between a client and a customer I want to know that if you ladies have any question to ask um, there will not be a Q&A time at the end because uh, Krista needs to leave uh, to, to then take care of the kids but um, if you have any question just pop it in the in the comments below and uh, or wave and uh, we can we can answer a very short one uh, so what is the difference then between very briefly about a customer, like a client and a customer that you mentioned? So a customer is somebody that buys from you one time. So they're a one-off sale or maybe an occasional sale, you know, maybe not one time ever, but they buy from you once in a while. A customer or a client is somebody that orders from you and buys from you on a consistent basis. So on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis, on an annual basis, depending on what packages you sell, what products and services you offer. But for example, I would consider myself a customer of the co-op because I pop into the co-op every once in a while when I'm walking by and I happen to need something. But I would consider myself a client of Tesco because every weekend or at the start of the week, the truck is here delivering my weekly shop. So I'm a regular customer, a regular client of theirs ordering over and over again versus the one-off random, you know, sale. Good question. Okay. And then the last thing that my Rose and Shining Armor taught me was how to run a guilt-free business. I had been, I was probably headed towards burnout and I tell Rose this all of the time. She's my Rose in shining armor because she saved my life. And if I had kept operating the way I was two years ago, I probably would have burnt out physically, mentally, you name it. I had the impression that if I wasn't glued to my laptop, that I wasn't actually working. And I didn't put value on the things that I was doing that were actually adding value to my business, like watching YouTube videos and reading books and just taking time to think and to strategize. One of my best places where I come up with the ideas and where I can really process information is in the shower. Maybe it's because I'm a mom of two young kids and the shower and the bathroom is like mom's private area, the only me time that we get. Um, 
but I had, uh, I had a lot of good thoughts and I'd role play conversations and things like that in the shower. But then I'd get out and I'd be mentally beating myself up. Like, Kristen, you should have been working. You know, it's during working hours. Why weren't you working? And Rose helped me to see how much value there was in that and that I actually should embrace that time. And as the CEO of a company that has over 100 clients, somebody needs to be thinking, somebody needs to be innovating. We can't all be doing those day-to-day -day transactional tasks. So Rose helped me in all four of those areas, but that's not even the best part. The number one thing that Rose taught me that changed the direction of my business was how to prioritize to monetize. So before I met Rose, I had a to-do list, probably a hundred things long. And as soon as I crossed one or two things off the list, guess what happened? Two or more things came up that I needed to do that I would add to my list. And sometimes at the end of the day, I'd put pressure on myself to just tick as many of these things off the, the box as I could and get through as many things to cross them off my list as I could. The problem was, usually the tasks that bring money into the business take a little bit longer. So instead of crossing five 10-minute activities off my to-do list, what I really should have been doing was taking an hour and focusing on something that brings money into the business. Now, I'll be the first one to say that money doesn't equal happiness, but I will also tell you that money eliminates a lot of problems that lead to unhappiness. So it's not a magic money, you know, money solves all your problems, but money definitely eliminates a lot of problems, especially when it comes to being a startup. So if we can walk away from this webinar realizing that relationships, reputation and results help you build a business without spending money on marketing and advertising, without spending money on salaries, without spending money on overhead, but also that when it comes to the day-to-day -day tasks that we're tackling, we have to prioritize the ones that are gonna monetize our business. With me, good stuff there, yeah? Changed my world. All right, so moving on to the second piece of the puzzle, we've got our reputation. I promise I will go faster through some of these other bits. Um, in terms of reputation, Again, in the beginning, I didn't have money to spend on marketing and advertising, and all I really had to rely on was my reputation. I've been working from home since 2008. In the beginning, I needed to prove that my concept was viable. I needed to prove that these 10 people that signed up to use my service weren't going to regret it. I needed it to work so that I didn't have to get shipped back to the US, have my visa canceled and shipped back home. And all I had to worry about or all I had going for me was my reputation. I didn't want the managers that were working 12, 14 hour days in their office to ever doubt me who was working from home. So I really had to focus on my, um, on my reputation. And what I decided to do was give myself a checkup from the neck up. So I had to look at myself as the leader and as the head honcho 
and I had to say, what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? So that I could, you know, evolve and really develop and maintain my strengths, but then also either work on improving my weaknesses or hire people whose strengths married up with my weaknesses. So I gave myself a checkup for the neck, from the neck up, and I'm gonna demonstrate it for you here. These were some of my not great qualities. I was late, I was disorganized, I was stubborn like we talked about before. If somebody didn't agree with me, then obviously they were wrong. Uh, I was quite forgetful, I was very impulsive, and I wasn't very confident. I was living a fake it till you make it sort of lifestyle. And with all these things here, being late, being disorganized, being forgetful, I just laughed it off because I was so good at building the relationships with people, so good at connecting and being friendly and being somebody that everyone wanted to be around that we just laughed those things off. But I had to really hone in on what I wanted in terms of the bigger picture and I had to put myself in the other person's shoes. Yeah, even though they expected me to be laid and a bit disorganized and a bit forgetful, it's not really fair to them. Just because that's what they were expecting of me doesn't make it right. So I had to make a conscious effort to improve the qualities that I had within me, but I really wanted to demonstrate and bring to the forefront. I needed to show that I could be prepared and that I was prepared. I needed to really rely on my friendly nature and really use that to warm people to me. I needed to show how articulate I was. I needed to use my creativity for good, not for just making up excuses as to why I wasn't on time, but to actually use my creativity to serve a purpose. I needed to show that my ambition was one worth following. And I needed to show how inspiring I could be to other people. So looking at myself with this sort of devil on one shoulder and angel on the other shoulder approach, I had to give myself like an awareness checkup. So this might be a great activity for those of you that are just starting off or those of you that are looking to, to grow and scale your business. What are those great qualities that make you great, make you unique, make you successful? And what are those qualities that maybe we could do without and maybe we want to work on improving? So again, accept who you are, but don't accept that you need to remain that way. 2018, Kristen, almost always on time because I've made a conscious effort to improve that about myself. Okay, so when it comes to our reputation, we have to remember that we're in control of our reputation. Sure, maybe the odd thing might happen where somebody says something about us that's untrue, but how we respond to that and how we present ourselves to the world is everything when it comes to our reputation. So I had to make a choice. I was in my late 20s when I launched my business and I needed to decide, was I gonna be perceived as you know, a young professional? especially being a female in a male-dominated industry? Was I gonna portray, portray myself as a professional that could be taken seriously and that had something to offer? Or was I gonna be portrayed as the partier going out on the weekends, you know, having a blast? And again, I had to identify that there was no work, Kristen, 
and social Kristen. So Facebook and you know LinkedIn and these different sources didn't exist to the degree they do now back in 2008. You know, there wasn't Snapchat and uh, Instagram and all these things, but I was developing a reputation in person every time I went to a networking event. And I was starting to build an online reputation, and this is something that's really helped us skyrocket our business over the last 18 months, is how we're portraying ourselves online. So I went from being, you know, the late, frazzled, disorganized person to making a conscious effort of how I wanted to portray myself. And I use LinkedIn as a good example because it's a really nice summary point. So when it comes to LinkedIn, I decided I wanted to portray myself as a global business owner, a keynote speaker, but also add a little bit of the friendly or a little bit of the fun part. So I also have a passion for travel and adventure. myself in a professional manner, not the typical work from home in my pajamas, you know, in my bed type of image. And then I was fortunate enough to get to interview Mark Wahlberg last year at an event in LA, my Boston hometown hero. So I have that on the background as well because it shows, you know, there I am with quite an influential person. And I focused on making sure that the beginning of my summary really sums up who I am. So my online reputation. So when it comes to our online reputation, we want to start by asking ourselves three questions. Who are we in terms of who are we to a potential client? So what's relevant to a potential client about who we are? What do we want to be known for? Do we want to be known for, you know, writing children's books? Do we want to be known for running events that help people grow their businesses exponentially? Do we want to be known as a keynote speaker? Do we want to be a photographer? What do we want to be known for? And why? Not why do we want to be known for it or what's your why for running a business? All of those things are important. But what the why means in this case is why should somebody hire you? Why should they choose you over anybody else that does what you do? And here's an example of a friend of mine, one of my best friends from uni, has recently started a freelance business. And he's one of the people that came to me and said, okay, you've won this award, you're obviously doing something right. What do I need to do to grow my freelance business? And one of the things we first talked about was his online presence. And he was hugely uncomfortable by it. He's the type of person that never posts on Facebook, you know, never really puts himself out there. And we talked about it for a long time about how, like it or not, you have a personal brand. You know, this day and age, if you, especially if you want to operate in the digital space and you want to be offering anything to do with an online business, you have a personal brand and it's up to you to maintain it. So I'm super proud to say I was doing some research in ahead of this presentation and he doesn't even know that he's on my presentation, but I'm super excited that he followed my advice. And my friend Ben has now gone and updated his headshot, his hero image and his headline on LinkedIn to show his real value and what he can truly offer the world this is the smartest person I've ever met, 
we graduated university back in 2001, 2002, and he produced a video resume. Now I work in recruitment and that doesn't even really exist today in 2018. This guy produced a video resume back in 2001. So he's always been very innovative. He's always been ahead of the curve. He's super smart. He's worked for a major league hockey team. And now he's finally displaying that to the world. And I guarantee something that took him 10 or 15 minutes to do has now escalated his presence, you know, exponentially for anybody that connects with him on LinkedIn. So that's a very quick and easy way that any one of us can position ourselves and any one of us can focus on building our online reputation. I look at my posts. So I just want to say like who yeah. here now is uh, committed to sort out uh, your LinkedIn profile. If you have not done it yet, just, just give me like a whoop whoop here in the comments or wait, wave at me. Uh, so just give me, some signs that you're alive. Yeah, Crystal is saying yes. Lyndon is saying yes. Caroline is saying yes. Uh, I think so. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. John, John, Liz is raving there in the room. John is waving. I cannot see Emma Gloria Sephora, but I'm assuming, or, or also Gia, uh, but I'm assuming you ladies are raving too as well. Uh, so, yes, important to sort out your LinkedIn profile. Kristen, back to you. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, in if you have a good photo, it only takes probably about 15 minutes to upload the headshot, the hero image, and to write a decent headline. Uh, okay, and then once we've established our profile, we want to think about our posts and the updates that we do in a strategic fashion. The internet is cluttered with content, so my approach is always a quality over quantity approach. I don't post on Facebook or post on LinkedIn just for the sake of posting, just to update the world about what I've had for dinner or what I've done with the kids on the weekend or what I'm up to. Unless there's a purpose behind it that resonates with my audience. I might share a picture of food, but then I might talk about a lesson that I've you know, a lesson that I've learned over that meal, or I might talk about the process of what it took to get this food from where it originated to my plate and how can we make that process better. So with all of our posts, think of the, the person that's digesting the information and what's relevant to them. So I don't spam my social media with all kinds of stuff. I focus on having a purpose behind my posts delivering it with passion, and considering the point of view of the reader. And again, the end result of your reputation is to acquire and retain your clients, to acquire and retain the right people that are willing to work for you or work with you, like Simone said, as business partners and joint ventures, and to make sure that your suppliers are proud of you and that they want to work with you and then either influencing other people. So I realized what was missing from my life was having influencers. But what I love most about what I do is being that influencer to somebody else. So I won't read Lily's whole testimonial here, but Lily's somebody that three years ago wrote this testimonial for me on my LinkedIn. And that's when she was just 
brand new in our industry, and she's now evolved to somebody that works as a part-time PA to the vice president of the sales organization, and then works part-time as a contractor with me. And it's because of the reputation that I built and that my team built. So in the beginning, if you're a solo entrepreneur, cool, your reputation matters. But as you start to grow and build a team, their reputation matters as well. You know, we can't have people that represent the superlative brand going out and behaving in a way which I wouldn't behave. And there are some good stories in my story bank for <laughs> those of us that continue a working relationship. I can tell you some stories of how to not maintain your relationship or your reputation as well, but we won't go there tonight. We'll save that for another time. Okay, so moving on, the last, oh, sorry, just a reminder here, the reminder slide. Relationships plus reputation plus our results equal, anybody remember? Referrals. So that's where the money comes in without having to pay for the advertising and everything. All right, and lastly, we're gonna wrap up by talking about results. So we could have the best relationships in the world. We could have an impeccable reputation, but if we can't deliver results, nobody cares. Nobody cares how much they like us and how friendly we are and how great we are to be around. They don't care how good we are at, um, you know, maintaining a reputation and being positive and presenting ourselves in a fashionable light if we can't deliver results. Human beings are greedy by nature. We all want to know what's in it for me. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? What am I gonna get out of this? Every single one of you that logged onto this webinar tonight, the focus was, okay, what am I gonna get out of it? We had a decision to make. Do I log on? Do I not? Do I stay? Do I listen to the whole webinar? Uh, all these other factors come in play. It's a free webinar. We could have decided to, to not jump on, but we feel like we're gonna get value out of it. And that's what motivates human beings is what's in it for me. So when it comes to the results that we can deliver for our clients, it's important that we know how to articulate them. And sadly, I spent a lot of time in my early years, instead of articulating the results that we could get, talking about what we didn't do, which looking back seems so silly now. I used to meet people and talk about how I work in the recruitment industry Oh, but we're not traditional recruiters, we're not headhunters, we don't work with the candidates, and naturally that makes people ask, okay, well, what do you do? And then even when we started terribly explaining what we do, we didn't have anything quantifiable to talk to our potential clients about. We didn't have anything actually broken down. So we took some time, and we actually started quantifying some of our results and looking at not just the tangible results, but when we were able to produce those results, what were the actual benefits that our clients reaped of these results? You putting your hand up, Simone? No? Okay. I don't know if you were about to say something yet. <laughs> so here are just a few examples of what we were able to quantify. So... The best, the best thing that we can offer from our admin service is that it saves all of our clients time. They don't have to write the job descriptions themselves. They don't have to physically place them online. It saves them money because we have a massive collective buying power that they wouldn't have individually. And it saves them effort. 
the recruitment industry is one that's constantly changing. The way job seekers think and operate in 2018 is very different than the way they thought and operated in 2008. My team and I are constantly keeping ourselves up to date with what's happening in the industry. So the biggest benefit that we can provide our clients is saving them time, money, and effort. Another result we learned to quantify was, wow, we sure do post a lot of online adverts, but how many do we actually post? And turns out we post nearly 3,000 adverts online per month. So if somebody wants to determine whether or not we have enough experience or whether or not we, you know, we know what we're doing when it comes to ad placement, it helps to tell them that we place 3,000 adverts online per month, every month. Also, we started doing some maths and realized that we help find positions for 15,000 sales contractors on an annual basis. We've been running for nearly 10 years now, so that's almost 150,000 independent sales contractors that we've helped find work in the time that we've existed. And overall, we've helped 250 clients in 90 different cities, 12 different countries, and on four continents. So I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. The point is, I wish I had thought about this stuff sooner. And instead of spending so much time telling people what we don't do, or trying to sloppily explain what we do, and in other words, explain the process of how it works, I wish we had spent more time in the beginning quantifying our results and talking about our results, because maybe we would have done $2 million in sales. Maybe we would have done $10 million in sales. All of these things add up to what's the benefit to the client. So remember, we talked about who do we want to be and what do we want to be known for, but also why should somebody hire us? Well, here's four reasons now why somebody should hire us. So I guarantee that whether you guys are just starting off or whether you've been in business for a while, there are things that you could quantify about the results that you've gotten. Even if you haven't launched your business yet, there's a reason why you feel you'd be a good fit for your new business. So there are some kind of results that we can pull together. And then the cool thing is, as you start to get more customers and more clients, then you start to produce more results. So here are some ways to get results. If we're excited about the results that we've gotten already, great, let's quantify them, let's tell the world. Here are ways to also go about getting results. So it all starts with having a vision. We can't get to where we're going if we don't know where we wanna be. So we have to start by asking ourselves, what do I want? And not just like, I wanna make some money or, you know, I want to be able to travel. I find it's helpful, we, we learn this in the recruitment field. People that are looking for jobs or people that are gonna start their own business tend to be focused on four things. They want some degree of fame, which could be recognition, it could be public recognition, it could be getting awards and, you know, or it could even just be being recognized by somebody within the industry. People also tend to want fortune. So everybody's money motivated, but for different reasons. Money is a means to an end. Nobody gets a, an award for dying with the most money in the bank. 
but money is a means that allows us to travel or it allows us to buy a big house or it allows us to live in a certain area. Then there's also the freedom. This is why a lot of us have chosen the self-employment route. Remember I was talking about how if people didn't believe me or they didn't think the same way that I thought that they were wrong? Well, that means I didn't like having a boss tell me what to do. So for me, the self-employment route was a route to freedom. And then the other thing that most people are looking for is some, some way to provide for their family, whether it's their aging parents and they want to be able to help retire them, whether it's their existing family, whether it's their siblings, or even if it's a future family that they're working towards. And even for a lot of us, our friends, you know, are close enough that we consider them family. So most people want all four of these things, but to varying degrees. You know, not everybody wants the same things for the same reasons. So my advice would be to take some time, sit down and really think about, okay, what do I want? What are the motives behind starting this business or growing this business? And then the next questions to ask, okay, what's broken? So what's stopping me from having the fame, the fortune, the freedom, and to be able to provide for my family to the extent that I want to? In a lot of cases, it's our habits. We might be really good at identifying what we want. We might have a great product or a great service, but we're lazy. We're not actually doing the things that we should be doing. Maybe we're procrastinators. Maybe we have um, some kind of mental blocks. So our mentality could be another thing that's broken and that's stopping us from achieving the results that we want. I grew up in a very small town. I was raised by two noble nurses. So they got into the field of helping people, not the field of making money. And even though they provided everything we ever could have wanted, I was capped with sort of a, a middle-class income mentality. I didn't believe it was possible for somebody like me to move to another country, start a business, and be able to achieve the types of results that we've gotten. I needed to be able to grow my mentality. For a while, that was a blocker for me. Also, it comes down to our actions. So like we talked about with the to-do list of 100 different things on there, well, are we taking the right actions? Maybe we have good habits and we're really disciplined. Maybe we have a winning mentality, but we're not actually taking the right actions. You know, there's, I saw a quote online today from one of my, uh, another business coach that I know over in Singapore, and he said, there's a difference between being busy and being productive. So we could work 80 hours a week, but if we're not taking the right actions, the ones that actually monetize the business, then that could be what's broken. And then the last thing could be our confidence. You know, maybe we don't have as much confidence in ourselves as we should in order to charge what we should be charging. Maybe we're, we're letting fear stop us from actually pulling the trigger and launching our business. But if we marry up what do I want? And we actually take some time to sit and think about what we want and then take some time to sit and think about what's broken. Then we can meet in the middle and we can find the solutions. Much like the, the devil and the angel activities, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? How do I make this work? 
This is what we want to do now when it comes to getting results. Figure out what we want because we can't get results if we don't know what we're after. And then look at what's stopping us from getting there. I promise we're almost done, Liz. I see you taking some stretches there. I would stretch, but I pulled a muscle in my back earlier and I'm actually trying not to move so that I don't make a really weird, like, uh, moaning noise. <laughs> um, and the last point I want to end on is goal setting. Because this is something that even prior to starting my business, I was pretty good at. I liked having something to work towards. I liked having something to achieve. But my goals weren't necessarily as efficient as they could be. I wasn't prioritizing to monetize for sure. And when I started thinking bigger, I really struggled with having long-term goals. I was great at shedding short-term goals, great at identifying what do I want to accomplish today or what do I want to accomplish this week. But when I started crafting a bigger vision for myself and for my company, I needed to realize that not all goals can be achieved in a day, in a week, in a month. Some of them take years. So I had to look at the end result and I had to start with the end in mind and then I had to backtrack. And I realized that time is a really interesting concept because a lot of people say, I don't have time. You know, I don't have time to start my business. I don't have time to do all the things I want to do. I don't have time to travel, blah, 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 blah. Well, what's funny is the more I do, the more I have time to do. Simone, believe it or not, but from the time that I left your office in Suffolk, I've come home, I've given my nanny a birthday cake and a birthday present, I've made a batch of cupcakes for tomorrow afternoon's bake sale at the kids' school, I've decorated the house for Halloween with my son, I've printed out my notes for the webinar and logged on on time. The more you do, the more time you have to do the things that you wanna do. It's pretty incredible, I mean, and this is what, this is what increasing your circle of influence does for you as well. When I met Randy Zuckerberg, I was like, wow, she's two years younger than me. She's got two kids the same age as me. And I'm on her Instagram and she is just all over the place doing all these things. She's got the same 24 hours in a day that I have and that you have. It's just how effective are we with our time? How efficient are we? So when it comes to goal setting, one thing that's helped me manage my long-term goals is breaking them down. And I like to think in 30, in segments of 30. So looking at some of my long-term goals, I have to ask myself, where do I wanna be 30 months from now? So this is like two and a half years from now. And my parents working in the medical field, I happened to be out at dinner one night with a, um, a neurologist, the doctors that operate on your brains. And he taught us something very interesting. So we were talking with um, my partner at the time. He runs a sales business. And he was talking about the fact that he was going to be 40 pretty soon. But a lot of the people on his sales team were in their 20s. And he was saying, it's really difficult for me to think back to when I was 20 and what I was like. And, you know, it's sometimes hard for me to coach these guys. It was a lot easier for me to coach them when I was 25 or 30 now that I'm approaching 40, I feel like there's this gap between us. 
And the, the brain surgeon said something really interesting that stuck with me ever since. And he was talking about the fact that our age influences how long we can think into the future. So a very common thing for people to ask at networking events or in business is, you know, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? Maybe you've been asked this on an interview before or at a networking event. And for somebody like me in their late 30s, I can visualize five years from now. I can kind of visualize 10 years from now. But when I was in my 20s, I visualized myself as a 30-something-year-old. And the, the, brain, uh, the brain doctor said that this makes neurological sense. Because if you're in your early 20s, you've only lived a time span of 20 years. You've changed a lot from the time that you were 10 to when you were 20. So how can you fathom how much you're going to change from 20 to 30? But if you're like me and you're nearly 40 and you've lived 40 years, then 10 years is only, you know, a quarter of my life ago. I remember what it was like from when I was 30 to now, and the changes are, are inc you know, incremental. So I can visualize 10 years from now. So when it comes to setting goals, be aware of your age, not as a hindrance, oh, I'm so young, you know, I can only do so much, or, you know, I'm older, I, I should have started 20 years ago. Look at it in terms of how your brain is capable of thinking. So most of us should be able to set 30-month goals because that's only about two and a half, getting close to three years. So break down where do we want to be two and a half years from now? And then where do I want to be 30 weeks from now? So 30 weeks from now is uh, just over half a year, right? There's uh, 52 weeks in a year. So 30 weeks is just over half a year. Where do I want to be in six to seven months from now when it comes to this particular goal? Not, you know, not everything in my life mapped out, but when we're setting a long-term goal, what kind of progress do I want to make within 30 weeks? And then that breaks down to 30 days. So where do I want to be 30 days from now? Where do I want to be 30 hours from now? Or not necessarily where do I want to be 30 hours from now, but what can I accomplish in the next 30 hours? So give or take three days. Or you could look at the 30 hours like, I'm going to commit one hour a day for the next 30 days. And where am I going to get after 30 focused hours? You could also look at 30 hours like more or less an average work week. So if we're working Monday through Friday, working roughly eight days a week, we know that's going to add up to 40 hours. But give or take that we have other tasks and other things that we're going to be focused on, maybe not just this one goal, we can look at 30 hours as a week. And then we can also look at 30 minutes. So not where do I want to be 30 minutes from now? The answer for all of us is obvious, off this webinar. But what tasks can I do in the next 30 minutes that are going to move me towards my goals? Maybe the first one is updating that LinkedIn profile. And I have this very handy tool here that I use when I'm setting my 30-minute goals. So it's a bit old-fashioned, but it marries up with my presentation. I use this quite religiously because I'm a very visual person, 
and it helps keep me on track for, oh my gosh, the sand is going, am I actually working towards this goal? Helps me not procrastinate. The other thing I want to talk about when it comes to goal setting is... My 30 minutes goal is to buy one of these. Yeah. That's my 30, I'm, I'm going on Amazon. TK Maxx, oh, well, I was going to say TK Maxx is where I found that one, but I'm sure Amazon has them as well, yeah. Uh, okay, so I want to also talk about the most simple, 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 but effective tool I've ever learned when it comes to goal setting. And I got to thank one of my coaches, Jeff Fallon, for this because I was on some coaching calls with him and every month we discuss my goals and he taught me this simple thing that absolutely blew my mind and made me insanely more productive when it comes to achieving my goals. And the simple thing he said was, instead of writing out your goals like sign a new deal with career builder, you know, sell X amount of credits, expand our services. He said, start each one of those goals with, I will, we will, they will, or I won't, we won't, they won't. So obviously if it's a positive goal of something that we're trying to accomplish, if it's down to me, myself and I, then I will do this. I will call such and such person. I will write such and such article. If it's something that the team and I are working on together, then we will. If it's something that I've delegated, but I need to follow up on, then it's they will. And then if it's behavior we're looking to correct and behavior we're looking to stop, then I won't, we won't, they won't. And this is so simple, but so powerful because every day as I looked at my goals, they didn't become optional anymore. It wasn't like, ah, well, yeah, if I feel like calling that person, I'll call them. I looked at it like if I don't do this, then I am a liar, liar, pants on fire, and I will not be looking at myself in the mirror at the end of the day, having let myself down. Because if I wrote out at the beginning of the month, I will, then I was essentially making a promise to myself, and I don't wanna let myself down. So I'm not saying that I've accomplished every single goal I've ever written down since learning this technique, but I've probably accomplished 80% of the things that I've set out to do by adding this simple but highly valuable tool. So even if you only have five goals, even if you have one for the next 30 minutes and one for the next 30 hours, wherever you're at, everybody's starting from a different point, try adding those words to your goals and I promise it'll make a difference to how you feel about your goals and how committed you feel to your goals. Now, one last fun thing that I wanna talk about, which I've been doing since I was 25. Simone, I talked about this to you the other day, but only very briefly. So one thing that's helped me, uh, I've been freelancing even long before I started my recruitment company. I've actually been self-employed since I was 23. And I started doing something when I was 25 that changed the way I view my life because it's only worth, to me, it's only worth running a business if you're getting something out of it on the personal end. You've got a better lifestyle, you know, you've got either that freedom, that fame, that fortune, that family. And what I realized was I'm a bit of a workaholic and I was getting so wrapped up into bettering my career that I forgot about the journey and what makes life worth living. 
So I happen to be born on the first of the month, and it happens to be February, which is only one month away from January 1st. And being the strong, independent woman that I grew up to be, I decided that January 1st wasn't my New Year's. I wasn't going to go along with the crowd and do what everybody else was doing and set New Year's resolutions on January 1st. Instead, what I would do is I would have my own New Year's on February 1st. And I also decided that most New Year's resolutions are negative, you know, or they're focused on changing something we don't like about our lives, right? It's normally join a gym and lose weight, eat healthier, um, you know, get more sleep. It's always about correcting a behavior that we're not happy with, right? My New Year's resolutions are completely the opposite. So they're all about what are the things that I want to do more of in life? What makes me get out of bed in the morning? What gives me energy? What makes me excited? And if I were to look back at this year, 365 days from now, what would I be proud to have accomplished? So every day on February 1st, I have my own New Year's, and I don't just set one or two New Year's resolutions. I base my annual personal goals on how old I am. So this year in February, we launched the 38 at 38. And I won't run through all 38 of my goals and you know missions and things that I want to accomplish, but I did pull a few of them out to share with you here tonight. So uh, a few of the things that I'm working on before the stroke of midnight, January 31st, 2019, are to host a clothing drive for the SmartWorks charity. So they're a company that helps, um, out, that helps women who are out of work get back into work by providing them with interview prep and more importantly, clothes. So my team and I hosted a clothing drive for them back in June, and we donated over 100 items to help unemployed women get back into work. And that gives me a real good feel-good factor. So I know I can end this year knowing that I've done something to give back to the community. Another thing that I committed to doing is investing in three private coaching sessions. So I showed you how much that coaching session I had with Rose was valuable to me. And this year I have so far invested in two private coaching sessions, one with a coach Marco from Toronto and one with a coach from uh, South Africa. So before January, I've got to invest in one more private coaching session. I've also decided to publish a book this year. I'm in the editing stages. So I've just got to work on, I know Simone's laughing because I've been in the editing stages for months now and he knows my, uh, ghostwriter and publisher. So the pressure is on, uh, but it's on my 38 at 38. So it's got to be done. I've also, I've already done this one. I've created two new vision boards. So I have a very uh, personalized office space. I can't, oh, this hurts my back. I can't show up to work every day without having things that I look at that motivate me and inspire me to do the things that I do because that's what gets me through the tough times. When I'm having a hard conversation with a client and I'm dealing with an issue that I wish I wasn't dealing with, all I have to do is raise my head and I've got people and pictures and visions all around me that remind me 
nope, this is why you're dealing with the crack situation right now. This is why you're working at nine o'clock at night. This is why you're doing the things that you're doing. So I needed to create new, two new vision boards this year because some of my goals had changed. So proud to say that I've done that. Also travel to three new cities and visit three new hard rock cafes. Goal of mine to see the world. Part of the living the digital nomad dream is being able to travel and have the freedom to do that. Hard rock cafes are just, you know, close to my heart. There are 194 of them, and my goal is to visit every single one of them. Been to 37, so this year, not only will I hit 38 goals at 38, but I'll hit my 38th Hard Rock Cafe. I'll let you guys know when I get there. You'll see it on my Facebook, I'm sure. I also want to visit three amusement parks and fun fairs with the kids. It's something that we all thoroughly enjoy. We get a good adrenaline rush out of it. Done that already. I think we've already been to four, so we can successfully say we've achieved that goal. And then another thing that was important to me was getting fit and, you know, having some kind of activity that I could look forward to that was challenging and exciting. So I decided to take trapeze lessons. Those of us that, you know, continue to work together, I'll show you some videos and um, we can talk about that more in depth. But yeah, who knew? You don't need to join the circus in order to take trapeze lessons. And it's uh, not as easy as it looks, but it's definitely worth it. <laughs> So in wrapping up, uh, I just want to say, again, a big reminder of why we do what we do is because having the right relationships, having the right reputation, and having quantifiable, quantifiable results is going to lead us to referrals. But also, most entrepreneurs start a business because they want to be able to give back to others, and they want to be able to know that they're making a difference in the world. So I leave you guys here with one last testimonial that you can read from my LinkedIn. And uh, Nate is somebody that I've been working with for just over a year now. He writes a lot of content for me. We collaborate on a lot of different projects. And the ironic thing about uh, the recommendation that I have here from Nate is most of the recommendations I have on my LinkedIn profile come from clients that I've worked with or suppliers or my team members. So in a lot of cases, it's, you know, the people that are paying me, the clients are paying me to do a certain job. They expect a certain result. And with Nate, I've actually been the one to pay him. So I've hired him and I've gotten a lot of value out of using his content services. But the best part about this testimonial is that unbeknownst to me, he's gotten a lot of value out of the content that we've produced together just by being there to absorb the information. And that's the type of testimonial that makes everything that we do uh, so much more worthwhile is knowing that I've not only set myself up for the freedom and the family and the fortune and the fame that I want, but I've been able to replicate that and offer that same opportunity to other people. So in closing, relationships, plus reputation, plus results, equal our referrals. And in summary, that's how you build a global business, a global client portfolio, and get yourself to a million dollars in sales without paying for advertising, without paying a single salary, and without paying any unnecessary overhead costs. Cool? Good stuff?
Yeah, I mean, uh, you can, I want like to to wave you right now. Like, give me give me some waves, because <laughs> I can only see two people plus you. So the uh, two there is a yeah. John is waving. Liz is waving. Very encouraging. Yeah. Sephora says that she loves the list, and uh, also even if I cannot see you here, uh, so, uh, Gloria, Emma, I know you are waving and uh, like shaking it, shaking it, uh, so <laughs> to participate for it. It's been an absolute uh, brilliant uh, training. Uh, and so any final thoughts to wrap up in terms of uh, how people can get in touch with you, Kristen, um, whether they want to keep building this uh, uh, the relationship with you and uh, keep working with you? Yes, of course. So uh, like Simone and I talked about in the beginning, we are going to put a link on the page next. So we need your help, please. Uh, in order for us to bring this type of content to a larger audience on a bigger scale, we want to know from those of you that have been on the webinar tonight, what did you find most valuable? Was there anything that you wish we had dug a little bit deeper into? And then even giving us a little bit more of a synopsis on your exact scenario and anything in particular that you're struggling with in order to get your feet off the ground or in order to grow and scale your business. So we'll throw a link up there for you guys to click on. It's, I mean, we, we talked about it earlier. It's literally going to take three to five minutes to fill in, but it'll give us some really valuable insight into how we can, you know, make sure that the content we're delivering to the world is really relevant to those starting off now. And for those of you that do want to connect and do want to keep in touch, what we'll do is anyone that fills out this survey, I, I'm not in a position to do one-on-one -on -one coaching on a long-term basis with people, but what I am happy to do is set a time where we can have a, you know, a 30 to 45 minute call one-on-one. -on -one. You can run through your situation. You can ask me any questions about tonight's information. Um, I know most of you are based in London as well because we were going to have a live event tonight and most of you that signed up were in London. So uh, I'm happy to grab a cup of coffee if that's more suitable for some of you guys. Um, Liz, did we already arrange to have coffee? Yes, we're meeting in Blackfriars uh, at 7.30 Wednesday the 24th. Yes. <laughs> I thought I recognized your name. I'm like, I can't be 100% sure, but... Yeah, yeah, so for those right. of you that are local, if you'd like to meet up face-to-face -face in the Suffolk area or, you know, in the central London area and we can coordinate our schedules, happy to do that too. Um, but please, please just fill out the survey so we can see where you guys took the most value from tonight and we can go from there. Yeah, exactly. And make sure that uh, so this is what we discussed. For us, it's really important to see what kind of content you want. So then we can see the, what are we going to create, what kind of seminars, what kind of courses we're going to create. So make sure that you fill up the form tonight. I need, we need that tonight. Okay. It will take less than three minutes. It's very short. But uh, we, if Kristen has spent an hour and a half pouring her heart into making sure that you get this information that are going to be very important to, to at every stage of your business, uh, whether you're at the beginning, whether you're growing, whether you're scaling. So uh, take the time, fill up that form. Uh, and then uh, also like a, a call with Kristen one-on-one, man, <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> That's priceless. <laughs> so make sure that um, Crystal says, I want a coffee and meet up too. <laughs> Thank you, Crystal. I have to say 30 to 45 minutes because. Yeah, yeah, is that five hours? 30 minutes because it'll really be 45, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so thank you thank you very much to everyone um i want to say uh, i'm going to unmute you uh all of you guys so then you can say hi uh what i would love very quickly to share now that you're unmuted uh, if you can just start uh and say one thing that was really valuable for you tonight i'm gonna start from linda i'm gonna call your name just be very short tell me one thing that was really really valuable for you tonight. Linda, you start. Starting with that, having to pay salaries, that was my biggest fear. And I've, I've really seen some ideas there to move forward on. Awesome. Uh -huh. Love it. Thank you. Crystal, how about you? Um, for me, it was the phrase, um, what tasks can I do in the next 30 minutes that are going to move me towards my goals? I thought that was really good. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you. Liz, how about you? Um, I'm also, I found these setting goals really useful and breaking it right down to 30 minutes, 30 days. I think that will be very useful. And really quickly, I had a, if, um, you've helped me have a light bulb moment because I've, um, I've been in recruitment for a long time. So I've, got, I've done the long game with relationships so I can really leverage those to do what I'm doing more effectively, I think. So thank you. Absolutely. It's amazing. Yep. Yep. You, you are in a great position. Uh, John, how about you? Um, setting goals with I will. I will. Very good statement. So powerful. <laughs> Emma, are you there? Emma? Okay, I'm going to move on uh, to Yia. Yeah. I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Yia, yeah. yeah. Um, I think yes. the, the part that Christian lists all those things that they think uh, she wasn't doing very well before and now she's like getting rid of them like being punctual i think these are very important to me as well that realize which are the weak parts and really get rid of it yes improving yourself and growing yourself thank you very much so thank you everyone for staying on the call uh, on the on this way on this training tonight there is uh, the link uh, in the uh, comments so make sure you open the comment box i'm gonna send you also the link in an email you get it you fill up you fill it up tonight you also get that uh, call or that coffee with Kristen. Kristen, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, hosting this uh, and creating this, uh, this training together. I definitely got a lot out of it, in particular thinking about the team members and the team dynamics, and I like the higher smart. For me, that's what told me the most about the higher smart methodology. It's a really useful checklist to have and say, okay, am I doing the right thing? So... Thank you very much, Kristen. Great. Thank you, everybody, again, for being so accommodating at the last-minute change of plans and, you know, joining us tonight. I'm, I'm really pleased to see so many excited faces, and those are some great takeaways there from what you guys have just rehashed with us. So thank you very much. Fabulous. Thanks. Thank you see so you. much. All right. Have a great night. Look forward to speaking you. to you guys soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.